Hey, my name's Emma. Hey, my name's Maddie. And you're listening to The Pilot's Pandemic. Well, here we are a whole new year and our first collab of the year with the Pilot Pandemic podcast. And we're What's up, what's up everybody? Hey Hello. So we're kind of doing this as again a, a co-collab where we're gonna co-release this or co-swap it on each other's podcast. So for everyone on the pilot pandemic side, we are canceled for maintenance. I myself am six. And I'm MBP. And our third man, Shoreline, is again out for uh, work. He's doing offsite stuff. I almost said offshore again. God damn it. <laughs> but he's doing he's so. out for maintenance. He's out for maintenance. <laughs> he's out for maintenance, yeah. Yeah, got us there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we specifically talk about the life of aircraft mechanics and all the greedy underbelly stuff that ensues with that. And then for all our listeners, ladies with the Pilots Pandemic yeah. podcast. So I'm Emma. I'm the founder and host of the Pilots Pandemic uh, podcast. We're a really new podcast, but basically we just everything aviation, but more specifically air medical reform and mental health for pilots. So I'm Emma and then my beautiful co-host, Maddie. Hi. Yep. Hi, guys. I'm Maddie. Um, I'm an aviation wellness expert and also married to a pilot, so a pilot wife, and have a, a background in aviation as a ramper, cargo agent, and customer service agent. Oh my gosh. So ladies, uh, well, especially Emma, since you mentioned the heresy that is not watching Top Gun more than once, uh, what, what did inspire you to get into the aviation community and or be a pilot? So my, my dad and my uncle were both pilots for, they started with Piedmont and when they ended their careers, they were with American airlines. And so my dad being pilot, my uncle being a pilot, and then my grandma, my mom, my aunts were all flight attendants. So I've always had this definite influence of the industry in my life. My dad had a Piper Cub. We grew up, grew up flying that. So I just, That's it's awesome. been in my life this whole entire time. Yeah. And I mean, I loved it. Like I've always loved it. Um, it took me a while to gain the confidence to actually pursue getting my private pilot's license and really becoming a pilot. My dad tried so many times. He was like, I soloed when I was 16, you're going to do the same. Um, and he tried, but I had this fear still when I was a little bit younger and then things changed and, you know, life goes on and you grow up a little bit. And then I immediately was just like drawn back into it and immersed in the whole entire world again, and then got my private pilot. And now I have my instrument rating and working towards my commercial, but it takes money. Yes, oh, yeah. de definitely something and time too. Yeah. Uh, I know so many occasions where MVP and I, where we just really want to get these students up and out because the sooner you finish your lessons, the sooner we can like shut this all down, the sooner yep. we can like put end, it in your logbook <laughs> and this air quote commission that we have to do, because sometimes we're contracted to help the, the schools. Like you're, you're only, you're only going to get paid when X amount of students or fly. So things like mechanics, things like weather, things like students not passing the written prior to the flight or whatever. It just like, it drains it down. And it's like, well, there goes another day of not doing shit. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and, and Maddie, how about yourself? Like, uh, was did, did something draw you in particular to aviation, or um, was there something you, you just fell into it, or what's the story? Um. So, my background in aviation kind of started with my dad. He was a pilot, and he actually passed away flying plane in Juneau. But um, prior to his passing, which is only like eight months prior, I got into the aviation industry um, as a ramper because of him, because he had like an LOA. He was a ramper at a regional airport. And then they were like, yeah, you can accrue your hours because he was working to become first officer. And so when he took that leave of absence, that's when he passed away and I was working as a ramper. So he kind of is the one who got me into the aviation industry. And in the beginning, I wasn't really like in love with aviation. I just thought it was like a fun job because I'm someone who needs a lot of different tasks to do. And once I learned something and kind of get bored by it. So that's really what I loved about 
being at a small airport because you had to do all the different jobs. You weren't just outside and you weren't just inside. You did everything. Um, And then that's how I met my husband. Um, And he and I met, I think it was like two years into me working and I got married to him maybe two years later. And I kind of saw how um, the aviation industry is really unhealthy. And that's where I started getting into aviation wellness. Sounds good. And, and especially like to start out with something as heavy as your father passing away. I mean, God rest him. But I'm, well, it's for some people that I know of, when something heavy like that happens, I say like, I'm done. Like I'm not doing nothing with planes. I'm not doing nothing with this because it took something so dear to me that I just don't want to see it ever again. And I've also seen others, like in your case, for instance, like, well, this was heavy and I don't want this to happen to somebody else. So what, what can I do to a pay tribute to what happened to that and then ensure like something else carries over where some people uh, don't have to experience this or it can be prevented to a certain degree. Yeah, I got really lucky with um, when my dad passed away, since he was on that leave of absence from his job as a ramper, I filled his position. So I got to work with his coworkers. And I think that went such a long way in me like feeling like I had this support system because they all knew my dad. So they'd always tell me stories about him and what he was like working with. And he was just, my dad was so silly. Um, he was a lot of fun. He told all those dirty dad jokes. And I w- always wondered where he got it from. And then once I got into the av industry, I was like, oh, this is why he is the way that he is. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can dev vouch for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's one thing you talk about, you know, the aviation health, <clears throat> but that's, that's a subject that doesn't get talked about a lot uh, at or at all. In fact, at least for my, my time in the, in the field. That's, that's, that's cool. You're taking steps to uh, try to help help those who are affected and then, you know, make it a known subject or make it at least a subject worth talking about. Because I think for at least for most maintainers, it's one of those just put your head down and grind through it and uh, wash it all down with copious amounts of alcohol and caffeine and nicotine, mm, especially the nicotine. Oh, my God, man. Like I've, yeah. I I was not such a heavy smoker until I got into the Arab industry and I I was chain smoking like it was cool. I was like, like um, I was like a train pretty much like I'll just burn through packs. Um, and then what the sad part is what got me into stopping. It wasn't that I said, woke up one day and said, yo, I need to stop smoking. It's because I looked at my checking account one day and realized I blew close to $500 in a week just for a cigarette. So I'm like, holy shit. Damn. Damn. Like, yeah, I need to slow it down, friend. Me with my jewel pods. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll never forget my first flight lesson. Like, and, you know, I mean, like I've vaped, but I'll never forget my first flight lesson when we're up there and I'm chilling with CFI. We're like going on across country and he's like, pulls out the vape. He's like, hey. You vape? <laughs> yeah, vape. Oh, okay. Well, you mind if I vape? And we're in a diamond 20. That's like, the, I mean, the size of a desk, pretty much. It's like if two people were to sit at a desk and yep. man's is vaping and we're like, you know, hotboxing this tiny little airplane with nicotine, <laughs> with the jewel. <laughs> awesome. like, yes. like, wow, th- this is definitely like good for our lungs for our thinking for our health not <laughs> so i, I want to touch on that a little bit uh for, well for both of you ladies really uh emma as a pilot was there any sort of challenges or any extra special or stigmatic challenges that you had to encounter uh, upon being a pilot or chasing a, a career in aviation um, I, I've never myself like struggled, um, with getting my medical. I've been really lucky, like having not, I mean, other than money, I haven't had any walls as to coming into aviation, but I do know like growing up, I mean, my dad being a pilot, my uncle being a pilot, my dad passed of heart disease and his death, like was one of those where I feel like his death really could have been prevented. Um, part of the reason why he died was he was trying so hard to get back onto the flight line and undergoing so many unnecessary procedures to be able to get his job back when 
in reality, like the first procedure he went through, he could have lived his whole entire life happy. That wouldn't grant it his journey back into the industry. But I saw it a lot with my dad and like the way that we were raised and definitely with mental health, like mental health was so stigmatized in my family. And little did we know that like my uncle was struggling with mental health. And that is what like resulted in his passing as well. So I've seen those stigmas within my own family. I've never had to deal with it myself. I think because I have this platform and I am really outspoken about health struggles within the industry. Nice. And I've, I've noticed this, especially when with people struggling, the ones who criticize you the most are normally people who are the most close to you. Like, yeah. Uh, it's like it takes like this extra translation barrier to really explain what they're going through. Because whenever you bring up something to family, the first thing they say, oh, like you're just being the dramatic one of the bunch or you're just taking things too seriously or whatever. Or like it's it's some kind of traditional family culture, whatever barrier that you just have to like crack through. And it's like you never would consider yourself like running into any of these or you would no, definitely not. Like it's to, to even think about my uncle who was like a captain of the Dreamliner. I mean, he was like, in in my eyes, he was very glamorized. Like we talk about Top Gun, like he was the maverick of the family. I would have never anticipated that this person was dealing with depression or had suicidal ideation. Like you just don't really anticipate it, especially when it's within your close circle. Right. Exactly. And then Maddie, you mentioned with your, your father and whatnot. Um, is there any other like uh, challenges, whether it be emotional, mental, physical, or even like because of your gender that you had to overcome, especially being a ramper? I think as a ramper, it was like that. Um, you felt like inferior to pilots, really. So like they didn't treat you with as much respect. I know that that was like a big thing. Uh, one of the questions you guys had for us about ground crews and pilots is, um, I always, before marrying my husband, I really thought pilots were just assholes and they thought that they were the shit and that they could do no wrong. And I did have like one instance where we were doing load factor and the pilots like instruments weren't working for him to like calculate it. So he had to do it manually. Um, and he had all the paperwork and he got so upset that he just threw all the paperwork back at us. And it was me and the, the load coordinator. And I was like, what the fuck? And the whole plane was loaded. So like the whole plane saw us this happening and unfolding. And I, it took all my energy not to just like berate him because I knew it wouldn't do anything at the end of the day. But it was just like so disrespectful as a woman to deal with that. And so after that instance happened, I was like, I literally won't hate, like I'm not happy with pilots anymore. So <laughs> like that's the funny part is that when my husband came in and asked for my number, um, I really didn't want to go out to the plane at all. I was like, why is there a pilot asking for me? I thought he knew my dad for some reason. I couldn't connect the dots, how he knew me really. He just had seen me on a previous flight where again, I have like an authority issue. I think it is, but he saw, he recognized me or like remembered me because I took an AI out with a special and you're not supposed to do that as a customer service agent. An AI is an armed individual and a special is someone who needs a little bit extra assistance. So you're supposed to take them out separately. Um, I took them out together because the special was so special. They had no idea what was going on and they were like miles apart. So I was like, the AI will be done with his paperwork before the special even gets on. And I was doing this all by myself as a customer service agent. I didn't have any help. So I, and I needed to have the on-time performance. That's all I was worried about. So the captain got upset because I did something like that was not right. And he called me out again and he asked me like, why are you doing this? I'm like, what do you want me to do? And he didn't have an answer because I had already done it and there was no, really no issue. He just wanted to kind of like thwart his power and tell me like, that's wrong. And so my husband was like, I like this girl. She's got attitude. So I, <laughs> so I think it's just like, as a ramper, you kind of feel like everyone has a little more power over you. Um, and especially as a woman, um, you know, they just don't think you're that smart because you don't have to have a degree to be a ramper. Um, and that is kind of the hard part when you're in positions where 
typically a man does the job and you're a woman doing it, there can be that power differential and, and men tend to question you more. Yes, uh, we, we definitely felt that uh, on-time performance. So there's so many times MVP and I, yeah. we can go on this whole different episode about on-time performance and the anxiety that induces. And we see this a lot as, uh, with women mechanics and also apprentice, like just any gender apprentice where like um, they just kind of get the thumb pushed down on them harder. Like where you're performing well, but you're, we want you to perform outstanding. Like we're just like setting the bar super high for whatever reason, uh, whether it be because we believe in you or whether it be because we feel you can't do it, or we want you to, to flex on other people just to kind of show that you can, whatever the um, reason is, it, it always has like this added pressure, especially for apprentices and women mechanics in general. I was told once that they set the bar at, at, a, at a level they knew that was unobtainable. And even yes. if it was attained, they would just tell you that you didn't attain it anyways. Or fairly. You just didn't attain it fairly. Fairly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had to keep uh, just, and they, their reasoning was, well, just to keep you pushing and working harder and harder and harder and this and that. But eventually I think it has the negative effect where you go, well, I'm never going to reach it. So why am I exerting so much energy towards it? All right. Well, and, and, and then everybody just backs off. Yeah. And then as a woman, like if you do obtain like that perfection, then what they say is, oh, you just got your job because you're pretty. Yes. Or, right. uh, or like all this, like they just start like prejudging certain things like, yeah, you got it because you're pretty or this person is just a bitch. Uh, they're very yes. difficult to work with or whatnot, but it's really, you just like you got your stuff so dialed in that, you know, uh, the tolerances of what can and cannot uh, happen within a certain time frame. But they don't see it as that. They just like, oh, this person's just an overbearing bitch. And yep. the only reason why they got that is because they had to grease their knees a little bit to get where they're at. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, grease your knees, he says. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> yeah, how did, you two, like, how did you two meet? Emma and I? Yeah. Emma, you want to tell that story? You want to tell them? Okay, so like at the beginning of um, 2021, I had started the podcast and I had started the petition for air medical reform. And I just along the way, like got linked up with so many incredible people. And because of that, like my like beehive, as I call it, like just my web of people began to get larger and larger and larger. And then I eventually was introduced to Maddie and I brought her on the show and I just, I loved her chemistry. I love the way she has a voice for speaking, Maddie. You have like a great podcast voice. And she was, when I first brought you on Maddie, I don't think you were really like, you didn't, you knew about the subject, but you weren't as like, keyed in as you are now. Um, and then after I had Maddie on the podcast, I saw her just advocating her ass off for air medical reform. And I was like, okay, this is a person I need on my team. And I had taken a little bit of a hiatus because I was working towards my IFR rating. And as you guys both know, a podcast is very much like a labor of love. And when you're one person doing it, it's like, to think about having something for yourself and only you to talk about for at least an hour every single week is hard. So I took a little bit of a break. And then when I came back into it, I knew that I wanted a co-host and I talked to a few people, but people are, I mean, pilots are extremely hesitant to talk about this. Like there are not a lot of people even, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're a pilot or not. There are not a lot of people who are willing to have an open discussion about the FAS policies regarding mental health or just physical health in general. And seeing Maddie out there, like just keeping pushing on the message, I was like, okay, this is who I want on my team. I have to have her on my team. So I reached out to her and we had been in contact and I was like, hey, like, how would you feel about coming on to the pilots pandemic and being a part of the pilots pandemic. Um, and yeah, so that's really how it came to be. And honestly, I don't know where the hell I'd be without this chick, like on, queen, queen, bow down. Yes. Queen. Yes. yes. <laughs> <Thank you. Yeah. laughs> 
that's that's kind of how MVP and I met. Well, we worked together in the same office, going through the exact same bullshit together. And I remember one of the main conversations we had, we were talking about some uh, task that just had to get done. And for some reason or another, some uh, hip hop music came in our heads and we just started like just pinballing it around, just bullshitting some random shit. And that was like the last phrase I remember. We were just like, doing like that. Uh, well, what do you call that? That faded. Uh, um, dance gesture, whatever it is. I don't know what, that, what the actual name is, but we're just doing that shit. We're like, yeah, queen, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yes. And then our boss <laughs> just walks in, like, what the fuck is wrong with these two? <laughs> were you guys dabbing? Is that what you're talking about? I have no idea what. No, it wasn't dabbing. It was okay. like it was kind of like where you lean back and you look to the ceiling and you and you just kind of like wave around like a like an inflatable think, tube man. Oh, okay, some like call that noodle. some call that gyrating. Yeah, gyrating. <laughs> 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 like being all stupid. I'm like, what the fuck? Like what the fuck is wrong with these two? And then, um, we that's when we kind of stab is like at some point this the stress uh, gets to a certain point where it's either you crack or you got to do some means to vent it out. And mo- for us, our vent was comedy where we just like do some stupid shit or like we'll do like little office pranks to our coworkers. Like not off the wall, like they'll get hurt, but we'll just do some real dumb shit. Like we'll switch their pens around and uh, paper clip their. Yes, their de- chair that. to their desk or some shit like that <laughs> that's what i would do to my coworker too when i was ramping um one of them like she was older so she always had to she wanted the water cart so she could drive it all around the ramp and our mission like every ramper was like we're hiding that water cart from Dottie was her name and so yeah. Dottie would get <laughs> on the radio she'd be like where the hell is the water cart and we'd just all be just giggling Say, come again can't hear you <laughs> with the whole uh peanut static mic <laughs> sorry daddy <laughs> or they would just come across and be talking where's the water cart where's this where that that they would go on for a few minutes and then somebody just comes across hot mic you know what i mean just <laughs> hot mic <laughs> <laughs> just totally totally blows them off that way too oh freaking fantastic i love it go for hot mic <laughs> <laughs> Uh, as far as us, uh, go ahead. Sorry. No. So I wanted to ask you guys, like, how did you like, what was the inspiration behind the podcast? I mean, I listen to you guys weekly and I really, I love the flow that you guys have. I think honestly, y'all are a great duo. What, I mean, how did this come to be? Well, so like six was saying, we were sitting in the office and then we'd have, we'd have all the leads from each shop. We'd have Avi, Max, uh, structures, all those guys, they come in our office every day. We might as well have had a couch in that office. Um, cause it was pretty much a therapist's office too. Those guys come in, you know, you know, like, Oh my God, my, my shop wants to do this bullshit. And I know you guys said you wanted this done, but they're trying to counter dick you. I'm sick of this horse shit. And we're like, all right, sit down, let's talk about it, you know? And then they go away with a smile on their face. But so a lot of the stuff that we talk about in the episodes, we would have those conversations in the office. And then six looks at me one night and goes, man, we should record this stuff. And then it just kind of went from there. We should record these conversations. And then it just flowed into the podcast from yeah. that point. So a lot of the episodes we've done were like actual stories minus a couple omissions here and there. And these were actual conversations we would have with those leads and other people like supervisors, managers, all kinds of stuff would just come to our office, just sit themselves down and just vent. And we don't know where that started or how did we invented that face for them. But we noticed like just how much better they, they felt about themselves and just how much they did their job, just that snip bit better. And we would just walk around the, the flight line, walk around the shops uh, or wherever there's work getting done. And we see these guys just wrung out for whatever it is they're doing, whether their shop was being overbearing, their managers being overbearing, their pay time the off. Schedule. Got, yeah, the schedule, their pay time off got denied, whatever. You just see them just like dead, dead in the face, yeah. but smiling outside. And <laughs> we would come around, we'll just start fucking with them. Just like mess around, just give them enough comedy to just kind of relax a little. And they felt that much better. And we noticed like uh, one night we did that to somebody and it stopped him from doing something dangerous. And we looked at each other and it was like, wow, this, this is it, man. Like we just, we prevented something like that. And if we can do this to one person, this should uh, be something for everybody. Like, cause you never know, like that one, that one laugh 
that little yeah. H in the ha would be the one to just let you um, relax yeah. just that little bit. And that little bit is probably what's going to potentially save you from getting your fingers crushed or who knows what else uh, could happen. I didn't even think about that. Like, it's awesome that you guys come from it as sort of a background where you're like, okay, well, if this can potentially help someone be better or make the right decision, then that's what we're going to do. And we're going to instill it through comedy, which is the best medicine. Yeah. And we try to go through it with, with comedy and, and, and sometimes, you know, it might even be to the point where they're like, like, what's going on, man. I keep asking my, my supervisor, if they can look up this information for me or whatever else. And I get no response and they just tell me they don't have the bandwidth to deal with it. And this and that, and like, I'm, I'm over it. And I'm like, all right, stand by, you know, stand by. And so then I'll come back like an hour later, I'll call them on the phone and then I'm like, Hey, here's that information you're looking for. I was like, now you can quit. Now you can quit being a little bitch. You know what I mean? <laughs> and get back to work. Well, do it that way. Like I helped them out and got them what they want and also talked a little shit and made them laugh in the process. So they were, you know, it's good to go after that. That that was another big, that was a big pet peeve of myself. All three of us really on the show is we, we don't like hearing a problem without a, a proposed solution. Right. And now, and that's one thing that we try to do ourselves. Like if we're going to present a problem, we need to at least have some form of a solution worked out, whether it's like a theoretical solution, uh, something that can actually get, uh, get accomplished or just like, let's just add something to the brainstorm pile. Like maybe this is something you've never heard before and we'll actually work it out. Like, this is what we propose to do, or this is what we feel can get done. And nine times out of 10, they'll just blow us off, tell us we're a bunch of clowns and shit. But, <laughs> but um, it, it's, it's one thing we've always hated, especially on working nights on the line, is someone would just come screaming into the control hub or wherever the shop leads office is. And they go, oh, my God, the toilet won't flush. I'm like, well, did you try to unclog it? No. Did I'm you just call t- facilities? Yeah. Like, no, I'm just here to tell you that the toilet won't flush. Like, cool. That's an actual story, though. That's a true story. They came in one night and they're like, hey, uh, the bathroom and hangar, so and so toilet stuffed up. Oh, all right. Well, did you, yeah, like, six, did you try to unclog it? Did you let no facilities? Like, no, I just, uh, I went and told my lead and my lead to co- told me to come tell you. Okay, well, well, we're not facilities in here. We're maintenance control for the hangars and the flight lines. So, uh, for the aircraft specifically, um, call, call facilities up and let them know. No, I, I, I did what I was told to do. It's your problem now. Literally, that's the answer we got. <laughs> what the fuck? God damn it. <laughs> so now, now that story is going to be made fun of. For the rest of time, <laughs> congratulations! You don't know how to unclog a toilet. <laughs> like my worst nightmare. Oh God! <laughs> Who wants to deal with a messy toilet? Not me. Oh, oh! oh I mean, from some of our listeners, where they talk about lav stories. Ugh. Oh God! Oh, God. Oh, I will do juice. I will, I will deal with a home clogged toilet from logs that either myself or some family member just. It just won't go down. I would rather yeah. deal with that than for some blue juice that who knows how long it's been there and who knows how many people have been throwing their loads in or throwing their contributions into it. Like I had a coworker dump <laughs> a lab on her face. So I and she, oh, oh, she had the no. whole yeah, she had the whole spray down. It was bad. No. <laughs> Done. <laughs> oh god. She was only like four I, foot five, so it went. On top of her head. No. Yes. Like I will be the first to admit that I will MEL that lab every fucking time. (laughs) (laughs) Waver for days. Like, well, the lab won't flush. Suck it up, man. I'm sorry. Here's here's a Ziploc bag. Figure it out. What's what's the work order? We got a maintenance checklist. We got outboard tire needs changed. Okay. Uh, We got a troubleshoot, whatever component. And we got a frozen lab. like mel that last one and i'll take care of the rest <laughs> it's like well it's just gonna get frozen again when he goes up to altitude right that's ah, fine it's it'll be fine it'll be all right just uh, defer Listen. it to depot <laughs> intermission over <laughs> so 
so we were talking about the lab story, which I think is any lab story. I think is just absolutely freaking gross. I, I just, I can't fathom it. I hate it. I hate the, the Poseidon's touch. In, in, no, no, no. Poseidon's kiss. Get it right. Poseidon's kiss. Oh my God. You should have seen this one gift. This one listener sent us. It's like literally like the toilet, like it splashes up and turns into like a face of Poseidon and he like puckers his lips and just like, just like <laughs> gets you <laughs> right. Right where the S crank is, and then he tick, and then he tickles you a little bit, and it goes back to the toilet. Oh my god! It's just disgusting, man. I'm like, where do you find this? <laughs> Fuck, fucking internet, man. I love the it. Internet's it, a magical place. <laughs> Reddit, the, Reddit. I was just about to say, Maddie, like the internet or Reddit. <laughs> so I haven't been on Reddit before, so I'm about to get on there. I guess. Oh, oh you Reddit is where we get everything. All right, Reddit then. Reddit, Reddit is, is low. You have to like create Reddit an account or something like that, or is it just no? Just, you don't. Or is it just like account. Nine Gag where you just keep scrolling? It, have you been on 4chan or heard of 4chan? I have heard of 4chan, but not been on yeah. it. Oh, Reddit! Oh, you got to get into Reddit. You get all the juicy juice on Reddit. Mm, okay. All the tea spilling. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we so we talked a little bit about families and whatnot. Um, I can only imagine what it's like for. To being married to a pilot, for instance, with you, Maddie, and then Emma, you being a pilot yourself. Uh, what's the family life like for you guys? Um, I'll go first, Emma. Um, so for me, like Jesse just left on a trip today. And uh, it's just because we don't have kids, we're I'm going to be like child-free life with him. Like we rely on each other a lot. Um, and I think on the partner side, like we have to figure out how we can support our partners and still do our own thing, still have our own life. Um, and a lot of times I feel like I get a lot of hate for like diving into the aviation industry. But I think once people get to know me, like they see why I'm so into it. Um, and it also just kind of ties into the quality of life for my husband. Like when I was working as a dental assistant, I barely ever saw him. And it wasn't really great for our relationship. It wasn't like we weren't going to last, but. I just really emphasize like our time together is very important, especially because of the trauma of losing my dad in a plane crash. Like for me, I was like, what will benefit our relationship and our quality of life the most? Um, And that was kind of like me taking a step back from like a nine to five job, coming home and kind of working on what I really wanted to work on. Mm -hmm. So um, I think you kind of, it's like a learning curve for a while being married to a pilot, but I think what helped me a lot was already being in the aviation industry, kind of understanding the lingo. I think there that there's a barrier there if you've never worked in the aviation industry and your husband comes home or your your partner comes home, starts talking about the aviation industry. If you don't know about it, it could be like a totally different language. Um, so I think taking a little extra time to learn about the av industry if you're not in it also helps your partnership. Because mm-hmm. um, I think... A lot of times in these pilot wife groups, they have a lot of complaints that don't, they, they just don't understand. And I've also been on a lot of trips with my husband, which is not normal of a pilot relationship either. A lot of these wives are so disconnected because they have to stay home with their kids. So they don't, they always think, oh, my pilot's gone and they're out having fun. In reality, it's like turn and burn, you know, like, so they don't understand that either. So just really trying to understand the industry helps your relationship. <clears throat> Um, working together to just really support each other. Like my husband's like, I want you to have your hobbies. When I come back, it's not like I expect you to come and cater to me. Like I'm re-entering your life too. So we're going to make it work. Right. And we've, we've had something similar to that, especially with us being on the road, uh, especially or specifically with MVP being a, a AOG, like our, we get like the call to do road trips, like on the spot. Sometimes like we're in the middle of stuff. We're having dinner where it's we're dead ass asleep and they get a phone call like, Hey, pack your shit. You guys got to go do job at XYZ location. I'm like, it's three to fuck in the morning, dude. I'm like, yeah, well your plane leaves at five. So get with it. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. Right. And then, mm-hmm. just, and then just having uh, a spouse that's just that understanding or even a, a significant other who has that kind of understanding. It's like, well, the phone rang he or she has to get up and go. It's just what it is. Yeah. yeah and, and and that understanding only lasts so long too, mind you. Right. So you just spent like, I used to work 220 hours every two weeks. Uh, and then you come home and you'd be home like 
it might be 24 hours you're at home and it's 11 o'clock at night and you're going to sleep and you're planning on going doing something with the family and you get it you get that call and they're like hey you got a 6 a.m flight out of pittsburgh you got to go and you're like where am i going now uh you're heading to bangor maine and then shit and like well you just go up there do the job come back continue on with your little bit of time off but then while you're in maine they're like oh hey we actually got a job in boca raton florida so now we're going to send you down to boca raton and then while you're in boca raton oh we got something over in naples to drive over there you know it just and it just adds up so the and it's understanding from the spouse's perspective like hey this was supposed to be our time why are they why are they bothering you in our time right only only lasts for so long right and and i and i and i take it from your end maddie is like you have to have that much of an understanding. Like this is not something like I do on purpose. It's just because that's just how it is. There's either a finite pool of workers or there's only so much work we can divvy out. So any that comes about, you just have to, it's either like, well, if I don't take it, then I'm not eating. So exactly, which is it? And then also with the communication piece of it too. Yeah. Emma, how, how about you, Emma? Um, I've never had to deal with it. Like in actually, you know, I take that back. I have had to deal with it in terms of a relationship aspect, but it's never been, um, necessarily about time. It's more been about, um, seniority as you'd say it. I've had, um, men in relationships who didn't necessarily want to be with me because I wanted to be a pilot. Um, and I don't know if that relates back to masculinity or. Oh, yeah, it's definitely what. an ego thing. <laughs> yeah, an ego issue. And it's always related back to, oh, well, I don't want to be with somebody who is the breadwinner. I don't want to be with a female who's a breadwinner. And little do they know, like, I don't want to be a breadwinner. I want to go to Alaska and fly bush planes. Honey, I will not be a breadwinner. Um, but I do want to be a pilot. So finding the right kind of person who is super supportive of your dream and your goals has been a little bit difficult, but I have found those people in my life. And I feel like I'm really lucky because of that. Yes. Seeing the opposites for me, I, what, what most men are like you, you really want, you would like your wife to be the brand order, man. If she comes and tells me I ain't got to go to work no more and I can be a stay at home dad. Cause she's, <laughs> she's carrying the weight. Sign me up. You mean I don't have to put on, a pant with a button ever again, sign me up. Like that's where I'm at with it. I have like, no problem. Yeah. Like, I'm, no tired problem being, the, I'm tired of being my own sugar daddy. Damn it. Yeah, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> Someone I take care like of I've me. D- <laughs> I feel like I've dealt with it a little bit, like as far as choosing like my aspirations in aviation, because I know that the airline route is not something that I want. Um, I know that any career in aviation involves a certain amount of time away from your family, but I, as the daughter of an airline pilot, I, my dad was gone a decent amount of time. And for someone like me who wants to have a family where I'm very involved, I know that that lifestyle won't hold up with the kind of life that I want to live. Um, which is difficult when, traditionally the main route is to the airlines. Yep. Yeah. I can see that. I mean, that's why six and I are in the positions we're in today. Right. Cause of family, I used to be on the road, traveling the world, uh, you know, working all, all some not so nice places and some nice places and this and that, but I, I quit and making really good money, but I quit doing that because my kids were growing up without me. So yes. there comes yeah. a time when you got to sacrifice. You go, okay, I got to find the happy medium. You know what I mean? Well, that, yeah. that, and plus, like, uh, you can only sit, Neil, Ben, twist so many times in your life, and especially with the amount of sit, Neil, Ben, twist that we've been doing in very questionable spaces, <laughs> it takes a toll on you. So, and it's there comes a moment where we're like, well, do I want to do this all my life? Is this really what I want, or do I want to see the end in a much nicer way? And that's kind of the positions we're in now is we, we never, we never saw ourselves writing a desk and we never saw ourselves pushing paper, but it's to this point now where it's like, well, it's all about the longevity now. And there's some individuals who can just run and gun and Ben sit and you'll twist all day long into the grave and kudos to them. I I really appreciate those who do it, but uh, yeah, they got, they got better genetics than me though. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The, but it only it, lasts so long, you know, like they're not going to be like that forever. 
Absolutely. And I don't want to see where that end point is before I can't do nothing about it. So here I am doing yoga. <laughs> here I am stretching in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> Things but it's I so neglected. good that you know that, you know, like me and Emma talk about that all the time, being younger and realizing like quality of life really matters and, and pushing that longevity factor. Like your life is going to be so much happier than you like working yourself to death. Right. And we've, we all know this, especially in the, in the aviation industry. Like if you let, if you let yourself be available to be worked to death, you, you will be. Oh <laughs> so, yeah. The company will use you like a tool. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Like might as well put a barcode on yourself and wait for someone to check you out. Cause <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's right. Just, and that's, that's one of the things I was able to change here to new year for my, my team. Um, you know, we were working, uh, we're working five days a week, oftentimes OT during the week, and then <clears throat> always guaranteed there's OT for the weekend that people are going to have to come in for. And uh, everybody's just getting burned out and whatever else. So I was actually able to change um, our schedules around a little bit to have, you know, four tens and uh, during the week and then a three to 12 re- weekend crew to cover those those other events, you know, giving everybody an extra day or even two days off. Uh, during the week you know um, it's easier for me to do that than it would be to give them all x amount of pay raises right because the company's gonna go uh we're not shelling out no extra money yes you know as base pay but if i can give them extra time off i think everybody agrees time away from work is almost more valuable yes i i I can see that because mentally wise you know mentally so speaking of that, uh, I, I mentioned yoga and stretching. Like, what other stuff do you ladies do to, uh, how do you say? Decompress. Decompress. Yes, that's it. I am like a huge advocate of movement. Um, I mean, I was a personal trainer before I started getting into, I trained at a gym and then I got into making an app for cabin crew to move. Um, and so, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I had that for about two years. Um, just so cabin crew would work out just for 30 minutes in their hotel room. Like I used really minimal equipment, but I, for me, like in my mental health, if I don't move, I am so much grumpier. I have way higher anxiety and it's not that I have to have like this intense workout, even just like getting outside and walking really helps like with my mental health and, and definitely with my anxiety. So um, and I know overall my quality of life, it helps, it helps that too. So, um, for me, it's definitely exercise and then sleep is a big one. Oh, sleep. <laughs> That's something I coveted that, sleep. Yes. I, I took way too much advantage of sleep as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about, how about yourself, Emma? Like what are some ways that you use to decompress? I don't know. Um, I'm I'm not as great as Maddie. I can't say that I work out um, on the regular. I wish it was something that I was better at, but I just, I, I cannot stand a gym, but I feel like the only way I'm going to work out is at a gym. I'm not motivated to work out in my home, but I definitely, I mean, I try and find my happy place. So it's like finding the thing that you're really, really good at, which for me is riding horses. So I've always felt like, in my weirdest times or what some would say my darkest times, I always result back to the things that I know the best, which is for me, horses and being outdoors and riding is very therapeutic for me. I just find myself letting go. That's the only time that I can really like let go and not have expectations for myself because I find myself most of the time when I'm upset, it's not because of anything that anyone did to me. It's because the expectation that I had for myself that I didn't live up to. Oh, dude. I I feel this. (laughs) I feel I'm in this conversation and I'm attacked. (laughs) Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I totally understand. I get it. 
I, I can also say with the expectations thing, that's felt across the board, I think, with in regards to aviation as a whole, because uh, pilots, you guys are expected to know so much in such a little bit of time, like zero, yeah. zero tolerance for mistakes. Uh, yeah. Likewise, for the rampers and the customer service agents, which you have experience in, Maddie, like you just have to wrap off like knowledge, like instant. Like, why, why is my flight delayed? You just got to give them like this laundry list of issues that just somehow like triggers their brain to just not ask you anymore. <laughs> yeah, I feel like everyone here, like, sorry, Maddie, but I, I have to say this because everyone sit, like sitting here having this conversation, we're all expected to have a certain amount of perfection. Like, me as a pilot, I'm, I'm supposed to do my certain amount of things to have that flight be successful. As far as maintenance is supposed to do their thing to make things be successful, which y'all have an incredible amount of responsibility. And then with rampers, like we all have this immense expectation to be perfect because if things, if we don't behave perfectly, I mean, think about what would happen. Yes. I, I feel especially for like the air crew that's actually in the in the plane as it's flying because there, there, there's no escape. Like once you're in there, you have to put the face, you have to keep with it. And there's really no break besides like that however many moments of rest in the crew area for however long. And then you're back to it. Um, yeah. I, I remember this one story where I think this was during our domestic violence episode where this flight attendant had to deal with a customer who just like decided it was the funniest thing in the world to pull his pants down and just start beating off with kids and shit next to him. And the and then the, the flight attendant had to deal with it. Like, what the fuck, dude? Like, pull your fucking pants yeah. back up. And then you would, in a normal environment, they'll just escort him out of the building or yeah. uh, have a cop or whatever deal with him. But you're on Please a plane. There's nowhere, to, <laughs> there's nowhere to go. Like, well, there he is. Instead of, instead of seat uh, 46, now he's in seat 106. He's still on the damn plane, probably about to go beat off again. Yep. So I, I especially feel that for the ones who have to deal with customers, because that's probably like the, the most, um, I'd say, what do you say? Strict. The aggravating. Most, yeah. The most aggravating, the most strict expectations of you. And you have like zero room for error. Cause if you say something mm-hmm. a certain way or it reflects uh, on the company. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, well, us as mechanics, we have some form of customer service. Like when, like, but most of our customers are like high and by. And whenever something goes wrong, they typically don't blame us, which is kind of a nice thing. Yeah. I think the worst customers for me were either delays or cancellations, or if you lost someone's freaking bag, like I have been berated for not knowing where someone's bag is. I was like, look guys, your bag's probably going to come on the next flight. And they were just like, I can't believe you don't know where my bag is. And like, there is no way for me to know where it's at. I didn't work at the last airport. I work at this airport. Um, I don't know what the people at the last airport did. So I can't vouch for that. (laughs) <laughs> right like unless like you got like a find my phone feature on your bag that, some, <laughs> yeah. that somehow works transcontinental you know but uh, your bag always comes like that's the thing that i try to tell people is like you know what your bag may be lost but i promise you it will come at some point like right. it's not lost lost right put all your essentials in your in your carry-on just yeah just don't just check your damn bag that's what i want to say <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah, why are you checking bags? How much what kind of <laughs> shit are you bringing on this trip? You're here for two days, right? Yep. I, I question you, TSA over here. This one, right? This this person right here, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, yeah, it, it's it, it's difficult, and you like you said, the expectation of it, especially self perceived expectations, and then what others perceive of you. Yeah, that can definitely put some pressure down on you. And in some of the ways we mentioned how to decompress, whether artistically movement wise, uh, whatever inventive thing that just makes you feel like you're not bound to your responsibilities as much. Yeah. is definitely a thing. Yeah. And like, even just like being able to communicate how you feel to your coworkers, like you guys were saying how your, your coworkers come in and it's kind of like a therapy session, just being able to talk about it really like helps me calm down. I have to communicate or if I bottle it up, like I will get to my tipping point. Exactly. And and I will acknowledge, right. There's comes a point where like you cannot self-diagnose yourself good enough. Yeah. So you would have to eventually seek some professional help. 
how you're going to go about that. That's I think that's more on your ladies realms of like, what, what can you cannot do? And I would say for every listener here, definitely go check these ladies out as to how you can, because <laughs> we, we all know there's going to be a tipping point and no one likes seeing a shrink or a, ter- a therapist, a psychologist, any kind of medical. <laughs> I thought you were about to say a terrorist. I was like, <laughs> Oh my God. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> stop it. Stop it. But the good thing about, I think, today's society, especially after the last couple of years of this whole pandemic thing, the the stigma behind seeking professional help for your mental health and whatever else is that's kind of gone away. Right. It's 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 um, the conversations of mental health are are definitely more open. There's a lot more people talking about it and, and shedding light on it. So I think those stigmas are slowly being removed from definitely uh, and there is but there isn't at the same time i definitely think there is a culture of um younger people who are starting to talk about it more but there still is a hush hush especially amongst pilots where you feel like okay well anything that i say is going to be held against me um but i'm grateful that the conversation is becoming more prevalent because of the current time Yes, right. Most, most I mean, definitely. I, I get what you're saying, though. It's still there when you say, like, hey, you know, I was thinking, you know, what are you doing? Just sitting around the lunch break room, whatever, you know, talking. Oh, you know, I decided to see the therapist last week. Oh, why? Oh, you know, just just got some shit going on in, in my personal life that I just need help working through. And, you know, work well, work and, you know, professional and, and home life, you know, just just trying to get through. Need an unbiased third party opinion, you know, and this and that. And. But you know the rumors start floating from there. You know, the guy's cracked. You know, yeah. Watch what watch what he does on the plane. You're gonna have to double check his work because he's fucking losing it. Right. Uh, and yeah, I will so also I say, mean. and I also say vice versa. You have those individuals who don't think they're heard enough to rate seeing a therapist or a psychologist or anyone that's medically capable of diagnosing what's going on inside your inside your noodle. <laughs> Well, it's the, there's worse people. There's people out there in worse shape than me. So why am I complaining type thing? I think yes. that's what it goes to. Yes. Well. And, and I'm glad that, that you ladies exist as, uh, tackling those regards because uh, some people don't realize they're hurt. They don't realize yeah. that, that they have issues or maybe like they're what they consider normal is, is a coping mechanism and they don't know it. Right. Like uh, I just take more coffee. I just, I just smoke more cigarettes or mm-hmm. uh, I just seclude myself more because I don't know how to react. And then other people see that as like, well, he's just being closed off ish because he's a, he's an asshole or um, they're just going through air quotes, some things, you know, and yeah, that could be a trend for the unhealthy. And I'm glad that you uh, there's uh, ladies like you who actually tackle that hard subject in all yeah. facets of it, because like, I don't, uh, am I hurt? <laughs> am I? Yeah. It, it definitely like opens up the conversation to kind of ask yourself, like, are you feeling okay? Because there, I mean, de- depending on who you are, how you were raised, what kind of culture you live day to day, some people aren't asking themselves that question. And it is kind of a layered question. If you really truly ask yourself, are you feeling okay? Um, And I think that's really what our platform is about is just starting that conversation. Like, Hey, are you okay? If not, that is okay. It's okay to not feel okay. Most definitely. That puts it so well. I love that. So, uh, so uh, I got like one more thing for one more question for you ladies and, and feel free to, to tangent off of this. Uh, so, since you mentioned like, that's what your platform is going to be. Uh, wh- I can kind of piecemeal the, the puzzle together as to what drove you to, to stand on this platform. Um, but what, what would you like to see happen because of your platform? Like what's one of your main goals for this? I don't know. I, do you want to answer that, Maddie? Or do you want me to answer? Uh. <laughs> I can start and then you can end if you, if I didn't like touch on yeah. things. But I think like our main goal, um, because I'm a start of the pilots pandemic petition, it's almost at 8,000 signatures, um, is to make actual reform from the FAA's point of view. And uh, there's a lot of different views of how to change mental health and aviation. But one of the things that I've realized is that um, if you leave it up to the company to help 
their their workforce, they're not necessarily obligated to do it. Um, and we see that with just the HIMSS program for uh, alcoholic pilots, like not all companies have that program because it's not mandated by the FAA to do so. So right. um, over on the West side, the airline that my husband works for, they don't have a, like none of the pilots will use the HIMSS program because they don't, tr- it's not um, through the union. So they don't trust the company to actually be in their favor so in my opinion, that is why we need it at a governmental level to change at a federal level. Um, but there's definitely within that pilot group, like everyone has their own personal opinion. Um, and sometimes I even think pilots, like they're their own worst enemy sometimes, like they want reform in some way, but then they end up voting against it in their own way too. So that's a difficult part, but like, yeah, our main thing is to actually change it at a congressional level. That's yeah. awesome. I mean, I'd, I'd love to get that change on a congressional level. That's definitely one of our like all time goals. Like if we're working towards a huge goal, that's our big goal. And I think on top of that, it's just, creating a conversation. I know like I've touched on within my own family, there really wasn't a conversation about this. And there was a lot of fear and stigma behind seeking help. And I know there are a few studies on aversion to seeking healthcare and pilots, but it's really about creating that conversation and making pilots aware of like, okay, if this is this is, you have to take this route. Like I I watched my father prolong a condition that could have been treated for a very long time. And I saw it result in something really terrible. And I just want pilots to be able to get the help that they need before it becomes too bad. And I want there to be a sort of change with how pilots like the process that pilots have to take as far as the SI, because It is such a long process. There is no guarantee. And because of that, there is a huge stigma to getting the the help that you need. Um, And if there wasn't that stigma, pilots would go and get the help that they need. I mean, it feels very complicated, but in the same sense, it it is very simple. Um, I mean, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I don't know what exactly we need to change to help that process, but I know a couple of ideas that we could put in place to make the process a little bit simpler, AKA hiring a few more people at the FA to make the paperwork and the process run a little bit smoother and have the turnover rate be a little bit quicker. Yeah, I can totally understand. I can feel it. And uh, we're, we're, we're not savvy with how everything works federally. And we are just hoping that the changes that need to happen do occur and, and it prevents more, unnecessary damages or and or lives being lost uh, that's kind of similar to what we um do here on uncancel for maintenance is like besides just giving you that moment's relief we're kind of setting the tone like here's some things that you can see wrong with what you're with yourself and what with what you're around and this is how you can kind of change it culturally for a yourself and those around you because uh like all things change is slow and 99% of people are very, very abrasive to change, especially when they're set in their ways of how they can do things, the, how they feel can get done or how they can just sneak by and not do things. Yeah. <laughs> and, but it definitely starts with like that, with starting the conversation for one. And it definitely starts yeah. with like seeing where the gaps are. And sometimes the gaps are in places that you will make a lot of enemies for. So yeah. that's, de- that's definitely something that we all as a whole uh, need to start having and start um, looking into most assuredly. Yeah. We have a lot of these checklists for pilots that are like the I'm safe checklist and the paved checklist that you're supposed to assess yourself. And there's one of them that always hit home for me, which is external pressures. And I've always asked myself, what does that mean? And I really want pilots and people in aviation really ask yourself, what does that mean? External pressures. And if those external pressures exceed your comfortability limit, if that's even a word, then you need to take steps to reevaluate how you can be more comfortable. Um, I, I know for me, I mean, just, just taking a step back in a breather, like, 
there are days when I've made a flight lesson and I've woke up that morning and I've just not felt up to it. And there's been this pressure of like, oh, you have to go, you have to full send, you, you got to go to that flight lesson. And I haven't felt up to it. And I went to that flight lesson and I didn't perform the way that I wanted to. And I spent my time, my own money doing something that I feel like if I would have just said, hey, I'm not feeling it today and taking that break, come back to it, I would have had a much more productive outcome. Absolutely. And I think that's the same with all of us uh, all throughout the avian industry. Uh, for us as mechanics, it's not re- no one really cares until it starts affecting productivity. But mm-hmm. at that point, you've already passed the threshold and now you're just going to have to like, well, it's either I hope I don't crush myself or I hope I don't fuck something up uh, so significantly. So it's definitely, I would say we, we can adopt that for all across the board. Like, Hey, like what are your external pressures? Most definitely. Uh, yeah. So, so I go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. I mean, I, I just wanted to ask, you know, like if there was somebody who is listening to this right now, like as far as our audience, I know myself, I've been really interested in the maintenance side of things. If there was somebody who was curious about entering this segment of the industry, what would be some advice that you would give them? Get your A&P license, but get as many licenses as you can while you're in school. I know, at least for me, I, right, I, had, I went and got the bare minimum requirements and went to the workforce right away because I had to start making money. Um, but if you can swing it to where you can just stay in school and get your, your uh, what was it, the FCC along with your A&P and get some other <clears throat> accreditations along in there, if you can get an EASA license as well. Um, just, just try to get it all done at one time. It'll, it'll open so many more doors for you and, um, and it'll just benefit you once you hit the field. Uh, I would also say like, uh, don't, don't be afraid to ask questions. Like, it may sound stupid and other might give you shit about it. Uh, I, I'm not going to lie. I've been the, I've been both the receiver and the sender for questions like that. <laughs> but it, it's definitely it definitely pays more to ask questions even even if it sounds so uh insignificant or whatnot and don't be afraid to pick people's brains because you never know when that situation might come up again you never know when that person might just leave the industry altogether and we, we've kind of seen this where some individuals have transitioned to do other things because they just couldn't sit kneel bend twist anymore or they're just not with the industry anymore for whatever reason. And now you got like this big experience gap and with no real bridge to get it through. So if you find like a senior tech who's ready, willing, and able to teach you stuff, pick their brains like every single day. Like the more, you know, now will save you a lot later when the situation calls for you to just spit out answers right off the bat. Yeah, Be a sponge, absorb it. Oh, and uh, MVP's favorite one is uh, never stop learning. Uh, the <laughs> day you, the day you stop learning is the day you die. Yeah, I yep. think that's I think that's a testament for all pilots. Like, I know it, that you really never stop learning as a pilot, and I think that's honestly one of the most beautiful things about the aviation industry is it's always conforming and adapting and changing and growing. And there is always something new to learn, which makes it really exciting. And honestly, one of the best industries to be in. I know we talk a lot of smack about it and it may seem drab when we have these conversations, but I definitely think the aviation industry is one of the most exciting industries to be in. Right. And who can say like, Oh, I like I fixed that machine that's in the sky right now carrying however many some number of people yeah or i fly that thing in the sky or i help people get into their same same gratification and it's just one of those like not very very many people do it so you get a little bit of like uniqueness to it and that definitely the adrenaline rush because of your little tolerance for mistakes so like when it actually goes like oh my god thank god yeah Check one for us. Check one in the wind column. So ladies, where can we find you? Uh, Where can listeners find you guys and hear more about your stories and more about the topics that you ladies cover? 
Well, you can find us. I mean, Maddie and I both have our personal Instagrams, but I'll just go ahead and like, you know, give myself a plug for the, the pilots pandemic. So we are on Instagram. It's at the pilots pandemic. You'll find us there. And our podcast is the pilots pandemic and you can find it on apple Podcasts, spotify iHeartRadio, pretty much everywhere you listen to your podcast and you can find me emma on instagram at m neon icon and it's just spelled just like i said it e-m-n-e-o-n-i-c-o-n and neon icon yeah and then uh for me it's just the fit aviatrix so sweet i won't spell it out <laughs> <laughs> and then for all the pilot pandemic listeners you can find us at instagram at kanks c-a-n-x uh for maintenance uh we also have a website cancel which links all the all the social medias we're still experimenting with which ones we want to be most pre- most uh present active. on most pre- yeah. yeah most present yeah. and active uh, right now, Instagram's been our thing because we get we can do so much, and yeah. you know we can ask questions, we can post polls. I'm sure all the other ones can too, but it doesn't seem as cut and clear cut as others. Like with like a uh, house, I guess how the analytics or whatever work. But Instagram's been mostly our thing, uh, and likewise, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple, pretty much anywhere you can put headphones to or wherever you listen to podcasts on. Uh, the latest thing for uh, most podcasting, especially up and coming, is on Good Pods. So you can find us, you can find the Pilots Pandemic, and probably some other good independent podcasts you probably would you would take interest of, but just never heard of before on Good Pods. So definitely check both of us and others on that one. Faux show. Well, well it, it has been so fun. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Definitely it has been an excellent conversation today. And a lot of laughs. <laughs> a whole lot of laughs. We, we love doing collabs, especially because we have another element bring into the mix. And it's just more reason for us to just show like what we're about, what each other are about, and then just have a whole s- slew of laughs along the yeah. way. Like we've, we've never done a, um, like me and Maddie, like as far as the pilot's pandemic, this is one of our first collaborations that we've done. So hey, it has been awesome. super fun. <laughs> look at that. Yeah, we'd love to do it again sometime as well. Oh, yeah, sure. definitely. I feel like we could probably talk for hours about this, like whole topic in general. Oh, well let, let's, let's make that a lead off in the, a part two sometime <laughs> in the future. Hey, <laughs> definitely. Definitely. All right. All our listeners out there, thank you for your time and thank you again for listening. Bye. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye.